The word that I hate the most in this world is the word settle. I hate that word with an absolute passion. It really gets under my skin. And the reason why is because the word, in a lot of scenarios, implies a lack of control, right? People just settle. They have limitations in this world, right? Whatever the limitations are, whether it's a genetic limitation or whether it's an environmental limitation, whatever it is, there's some form of limitation. And rather than overcoming the limitation, people just settle because it's the easier option, right? It's the easier option to just settle. But I'm actually quite empathetic to some people who they genuinely don't believe that they can actually overcome the limitation, right? So there's two groups of people. There's a first group of people who know that they can overcome the limitation, but are not willing to put in the work and put in the effort and put in the hours to overcome these challenges. And then there's a second group of people who genuinely have no clue, right? They don't even know that they can overcome the limitation. That's, that's beyond their reality, right? I, when I was young, I fell under that second group of people. The limitations that I faced as um, you know, a, a child, I never knew I could overcome them. So I just kind of accepted my reality. It, it's, it's like I was taught to accept it, right? I just accepted it. I accepted who I was. I accepted that you know, there was a kind of person I wanted to be. There was, there was results that I wanted from this world, but there was limitations in play. And so that meant that you know, it wasn't meant for me. You know? It wasn't meant for me. I'll give you an example. So... I remember, um, you know, at school, I wasn't really, I wasn't one of the popular kids. I definitely wasn't one of the popular kids, actually. Um, but I wasn't one of them, like, you know, I wasn't one of the nerds either. I was kind of like, in terms of reputation, I was kind of in the middle. But one thing for sure was I was quite a strange kid, right? I was quite a strange and weird child. That is for definite, right? I was definitely a black sheep, right? I was that kid that you look at and think... What the hell was going on in his mind? Like, why is he so different? Right, I was that kid. And I was very insecure about it because, you know, for my first, like, two years of school, I was picked on by, you know, all the popular kids um, until I kind of learned unintentionally how to make friends with them. And then they kind of respected me from there onwards. But I still wasn't one of the popular kids. Um, and I would look up to these guys, right? Because these popular kids, they, they had a life that I wanted. They had results I wanted. They seemed to be more happy than me. They seemed to be less lonely than I was. Um, you know, they seemed to be they seemed to be dating all the pretty girls. And, you know, I was just kind of there in my what felt like a pathetic life. You know, I was just you know, I was quite lonely. Um, you know, of course I would have loved to date the pretty girls as well, but I just kind of accepted that, you know, I'm not one of the popular kids, so you know, they were never gonna have an interest in me. I had a load of crushes. And of course, you know, those crushes led to nothing. And I, I was just like, when it came to like, um, the girls as well, I remember I was just that like, cute guy. Like, you know, um, when I say cute, I mean the cute guy they just kind of felt sorry for. It was like, oh, that's, that's so adorable. Oh, he has a crush on me. Oh, that's so, that's so sweet. That's so adorable. I mean, I'm not into him, but that's, you know, that's so cute. And um, I remember there's this one girl um, who had a crush on. Um, I crushed on her for quite a while, actually. Um, it was about like, 
<laughs> maybe like a, a year and a half to two year crush. And I remember I used to, you know, message her and we used to talk. And it was kind of obvious that, um, you know, I was into her. And she was dating like, you know, of course, like one of the older guys. Um, and, you know, he was this cool guy, basketball player, um, you know, <clears throat> one of the popular kids in his year group, one of the popular kids in the school, as a matter of fact. And uh, I remember um, one time, like, you know, I went up to her um, outside in the, in what we call it a playground. And um, I, I was talking to her, right? And he he knew, you know, he knew what I was trying to do. And, you know, I was by no means like a threat to their relationship. Um, so he was dating this girl. And I was, you know, by no means a threat to their relationship. Um, I was just, I was just that, 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 you know, cute, adorable kid who was like harmless. I was like a harmless fly. And so, you know, for someone like him, of course, he didn't like really care too much as to what I was doing. But what he did come and do was he did like kind of play on my vulnerability. And so, you know, he kind of like mocked me and teased me. And, and you know, she was just, oh, leave him alone, you know, kind of like leave him alone kind of thing. And, um, you know, it was all just sympathy, right? Uh, and so I feel like, you know, I feel like that girl that I'm speaking about, um, the girl I questioned, I feel like she was only ever talking to me out of sympathy and because, you know, I was like a quite a nice guy. I never said anything, you know, bad to her or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was that. But, you know, I always, you know, I, I had a huge question and I, I would have loved to have, you know, dated her, but I guess I wasn't really that guy, you know, and I, I kind of just accepted that. And so to be honest with you, um, I'll be a hundred percent honest. It never hurt me. It never actually hurt me when I was a kid. Like, it was just something I accepted. And this is what I mean when I say that second group of people um, who genuinely have no idea that they can overcome these limitations. That was genuinely me, right? I, I never knew that I could overcome these limitations, so it never hurt me. I just kind of accepted it. Um, and um, the same thing with my academics as well. So I was... Um, I was in like the sort of second to bottom set for all things. So I was what you call a below average achiever, right? And I was put in those groups. So that's, that's almost quite literally the label that they gave me. And it was a very similar thing. Um, the kind of marks that I achieve in my exams, I was very limited. Well, I was very limited. I couldn't achieve the top marks. They didn't let me. Um, so, of course, in UK, um, at the time, um, the marking system was, you know, the kind of classic A, B, C, D. And the maximum grade that I could achieve was a C. Like the exams that I sat, if I got full marks on that exam, I would get a C, right? It was a very, very easy exam. And they called it foundation exam. And um, yeah, the maximum grade I could get was a C. I could never get the A's and A stars. They actually wouldn't give me access to that because I was a below average achiever, right? That's the label that they gave me. And um, yeah, it was another limitation that I faced. And again, I just accepted it because I had no idea that, I could overcome these limitations. So again, that didn't really hurt me. It didn't hurt me at all, right? None of this stuff hurted me. It just was an accepted part of my life, right? I would just fantasize about a certain life that I wanted to live, but I just accepted that I would never be able to live that life. And so therefore, it didn't cause me any pain. It was just kind of frustrating at times, but... It was nothing, you know, too painful. Um, but then everything changed for me. Everything changed. Um, but before I go into, into how it changed for me and my story, 
what I really want to talk about is the other group of people. Um, and the other group of people were the ones who knew that they could overcome the limitations, but they're not willing to put in the work and the effort and the hours, right? And these kind of people, in my opinion, it's, it's almost a waste because I feel like most people in this world, this is my opinion, I could be wrong, but I feel like most people in this world fall under that second bracket of genuinely not knowing. From my experience, that's what I've seen, right? A lot of people I speak to genuinely have no idea that they can actually achieve all of that success at the same level of all those people that they look up to. They have no idea. They literally have no idea that they can. It's, it's out of their reality. It's actually out of their reality. And so they've learned, just like I did, they've learned to accept it, right? They've just learned to accept that. And so therefore they've settled. Right? And so that's why the guys who know that they can overcome these limitations, right? Perhaps, you know, their dad taught them well or their mum taught them well, right? Perhaps they had good upbringing. Parents who taught them, you know, you can be whoever it is you want to be in this world. You want to work hard. You know, a good parental figure to look up to. Maybe. Or maybe they had good teachers at school as well. Right? Who, who also taught them this. Whatever it is, right? They somehow have that knowledge that they can overcome their limitations. But they don't decide to take action. They don't decide to execute. And that is very, very frustrating because... They have a huge up in the game. They know the truth. They know that they can overcome these limitations, but they're just completely wasting it. I think most people don't have this truth, right? Most people don't have this truth. Most people are stuck in the middle. Most people are stuck in the middle of, of wanting this certain life, but just accepting that it's never going to happen. Most people are stuck there. But these guys know that it can happen, and they're just not doing anything. They're not executing. And... That really frustrates me. That frustrates me a lot. But I'm going to talk about my story um, and how it all worked out for me. So, going back to my limitations. When I was about, how old was I? About 15. When I was about 15, 14, 15, I had this teacher. All right, this teacher. And um, he was actually my math teacher. And uh, he completely changed my life and he did something so so simple but yet has had a huge effect and i'll never forget this guy right i'll never forget him and i'll never forget the way he's changed my life i wouldn't be the person i am today i wouldn't have achieved the things that i've achieved today if it wasn't for him so like i said i was in the second to bottom sets for most subjects very dark place to be what I thought it was because you know I was a very ambitious person I was very ambitious although I accepted that I was never gonna you know get those results get those A's and A stars although I accepted that it didn't mean I didn't want it I did want it I was very ambitious right I had my eyes on that for sure it was something I really wanted but of course, I accepted it was never going to happen. So, this teacher came up to me. One day, 
Um, I actually don't remember like how it happened, but I just remember the process of it happening. Um, and he said to me, you know, he saw the ambition in me. He saw that, you know, I was just a guy who came to school, did his thing, did his work and, you know, went home. I, I didn't mean harm to anyone. Um, I never got into fights. I mean, I had a few detentions here and there, um, but that was for things like, you know, not doing homework and like being late and things like that. Um, but it was, uh, it was never anything, you know, too serious, like being into fights and stuff. I've never been an aggressive person like that. I've never believed in, in aggression. Um, well, at least definitely as a child, I never believed in aggression. Um, and he saw that in me, you know, he saw the ambitious, nice side to me. And he one day came up to me and he said, you know, I know you're, you know, I know you're doing a foundation paper and I know, you know, you can only get a C, but I want to give you a chance to do the higher paper. I think you can get an A or A star, right? I firmly believe, in fact, so A star was the highest grade and of course A was the second highest. Um, so he never actually said A star, he just said A. He said, I think you can get an A. He said, I, I think you can get an A. I really think you can achieve an A. He really, really believed I could do it. And at the time, I remember I was just sat there thinking, wow, you know, ambitious me, I was sat there thinking, wow, that'd be amazing. If I could get an A, if you could just give me that chance. Wow, like, you know, I didn't have to ask. He just came up to me and said, yeah, like, I think you can do it. So I was just sat there like, you know, ambitious me. Yes, yes, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yes, I want to get an A. Yes, I really, really do. I really want it. And he said, yeah, I think you can do it. So he said, here's what I'm willing to do. You're going to sit the foundation paper because he worked in modules. So you're going to sit the, the upcoming foundation paper, this module. And as long as you score high on it, so get your C, as long as you, you, know, you get close to full marks, get your C in it. I'll put you through for the higher paper for the next module. And then you can resit the module that you got that C in and you can resit that at higher, at higher level. So you can achieve, achieve the A in that too. And in my mind, I was thinking, yes, this is an opportunity for me to really shine my ambition and get that A. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So the minute he said that, I didn't hesitate. I was like, yes, I'm willing to do this. It wasn't just me he did that to. He, um, he did that to um, a couple of other people as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I was one of them. And out of all of the people he did it to, he, you know, I feel like he really firmly believed that I was definitely going to be the one who, who achieves that thing that he said, right? But he did say, once you do that, you're really going to have to work hard. Because, of course... He wasn't, because of the class I was in, he wasn't going to be able to teach me all of that material in class. So I had to kind of go off and learn that material outside of the class and go to like after school clubs and things like that um, whenever I could. So I had to do this in my own free time. Right? I had to learn all of the harder stuff, all of the harder material in my own free time. Right? Because, of course, in that lesson itself, he has to cater for the majority of the class who were... In my, at my level, 
who are only doing the foundation paper. So you can only teach them that material. So I had to do that all on my own. And he, he, t- he told me that. He said, you know, this is going to have to be an extracurricular thing for you. You're going to have to do this on your own. Um, and um, this was for maths, by the way. This was just for maths. All the other subjects, I was still doing the foundation papers. Right? I was still only going to get the C in all those other subjects. So I did what he said. I worked hard to, well, I mean, I worked at the level I was already working at to achieve my, my C, you know, in that foundation paper. And then he saw that. And so he thought, yeah, cool. Um, you met my condition. I'm going to let you do a higher paper now. I'm going to let you reset that one in higher. And from here onwards, you're now going to do the higher level. And in my mind, you know, fireworks just went off. I was like, yes. Right. Step one complete. I've met the condition. Now it's time to work hard. Now the hard work really, really began. Right. The hard work really began now. So, of course, this is all extracurricular stuff. I had to revise all this stuff by myself at home. I remember there was this thing, I think it was called Maths Watch. Um, I remember I used to use that to watch um, all of these videos teaching me, um, you know, all of the higher materials to really listen, really practice hard. Um, I, I went to a few after school clubs here and there. But to be honest with you, a lot of it was just my own practice, right? I self-taught myself all that higher material. And of course, I went to him um, after lesson every time to sort of look over my work, you know, as long as I was staying on track, you know, asking for, you know, tips and stuff like that. And of course, he would always give me feedback, right? He always gave me feedback, you know, on a one-to-one level. Because um, of course, everyone else was still doing their foundation paper. Um, and so I did that. I worked really hard. Worked around the clock, did loads of past papers, everything. Um, and then the mock paper came up. The mock paper came up. And of course, he entered me for hire for that mock paper. Now, bearing in mind, other people, like, you know, the smarter people, the guys who were in the top set, the guys who were achieving the A's and A stars, right, the guys who were labelled as above average achievers, they, you know, they kind of, Looked at me thinking, good luck, mate. Good luck. This guy in form set is trying to hire paper. Good luck. That's that, literally the kind of look they gave me. And I'll never forget, there was this guy in my year. And um, he was kind of part of my social circle a little bit. And um, he, you know, he was a very sarcastic character. And um, he, he would literally just say, you know, good luck, mate. Like in a very sarcastic way. Like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to survive kind of thing. You know, you're not in top set, you're in, you know, you're a below average achiever, you're in fourth set. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're not actually going to get the A or A star, are you? Um, and I, I never used to let that phase me. I just let it go through one income or the other. I knew that if I worked hard, if I really, really worked hard, I could make this happen. I could, right? The more I was learning this stuff, the more it was making sense in my head, you know, I, I was getting more confident. And so I knew I could make this happen. So then the mock paper came around. And of course, I was in the higher section. And I was one of the only guys from um, the below average fourth set, second to bottom set, um, to be in this higher section. I did the mock paper. The results came out. 
And guess what? I achieved the day. I achieved the day. And the mark that I achieved was actually higher than a lot of the people who were in the top sets, right? I achieved an above average mark. Even some of the people in the top sets weren't achieving that mark. Of course, there was a good number of them that were. I mean, hence why they were in the top set. But there was a good number of them that weren't. And actually, that same guy who I told you about, um, who was mocking me about doing a high paper, I actually achieved, I think it was either the same mark as him or it was a little bit higher. And he couldn't believe it. From then onwards, he never said a word about me again. From then onwards, he never questioned my ability, academically speaking, again. He never questioned my academic ability again. Um, and then, of course, the real thing came a couple of months after the mock, and I sat back, and something even more astonishing happened. Something even more astonishing happened. I got an A star in that real paper. I got an A star. Not an A, an A star. I got the top mark, the highest grade you could get. Me, below average achiever, labelled below average achiever, fourth set, second to bottom set, had people mocking him. I achieved the, the top mark, right? I was now suddenly an above average achiever. I literally went from being a bottom or a below average achiever to an above average achiever. I achieved a mark that most people weren't achieving or struggled to achieve, right? Going back to that top set, there wasn't a lot of people in that top set that achieved an A star. It was a very small amount of them, right? Of course it was, you know, I mean, that's how, that's how grades work, right? If you think about a normal curve, I was, I was in the upper quartile, right? I represented a minority. Above average achievers are a minority and I was part of that minority. And people couldn't believe it. I achieved a higher mark than that guy who I told you about who was mocking me. And he couldn't believe it. But like I said, I mean, after the mock, he'd already, you know, stopped mocking me anyway. So I was kind of used to that look. And then something interesting happened as well. All the other teachers from all the other subjects, like I said, this was, this was just maths has happened for, but all the other teachers from all the other subjects, of course, they noticed this and they spoke about it and they thought, wow, like, he just did that in that subject. Who's to say he can't do that in all the other subjects? And so that's exactly what happened. I did the same thing for the other subjects. All the other teachers in English, in history, you name it. It was the same thing. It was the same thing. They entered me for the higher papers in all of those things. And the exact same thing happened. I worked hard, like, just like the maths. I worked really hard. You know, I had to do loads of essays, write myself, teach myself this stuff. A lot of it was hard work. I had to do this stuff outside of the class. Because remember, I was in the, in the second to bottom set for pretty much all subjects. So a lot of this had to be done in my own time. But I put in the work. I put in the effort. And I got the result. I got the result in the end. So in all my other subjects, I also achieved 
the above average results. And the teachers couldn't believe it. Right? I was, I was a success story for the school. I went from being a below average achiever to an above average achiever. I was young. This was just school. Right? This was just school. This was just academics, right? This really opened my eyes. It's opened my eyes a lot. I thought, wow, if this can work in my academics, then this can work everywhere else, surely. Right, it's worked here. I went from being a below average achiever to an above average achiever academically. Why can't I do that in other areas of my life? And so I went and I, and I tested that, that theory out and true to my word, it did work, right? I remember when I was same age, actually, similar age, 15, 16, um, I wanted to be a singer, right? I remember I, I used to see singers and it looked really cool. It looked like a very cool, um, fun job to do. It was something I always wanted to do, you know, like sing music. I always had, had, a, had a strong passion for music um, and I really wanted to do it at school for my GCSEs, but... In fact, I nearly, I nearly went and did it, right? I actually spoke to um, the music teacher about doing it, but, you know, I was, never, I was never musically talented. I had no natural talents, you know? I never, I ne I never played an instrument seriously before. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd picked up a guitar before. I'd, I'd you know, hit a few notes on a, on a keyboard before, but it was never serious. Apologies, the podcast got cut off there. Um, but, I mean, as I was saying, um, I was never musically talented, Right? at least nowhere near serious enough for me to actually get a good mark from, you know, the, the subject, right? You, you had to be really good, right? You had to be really, really good. Um, you know, I had to have been learning before for a good few years, which of course, you know, some of my peers who did do music were doing, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I always had a strong passion for music. I always wanted to be a singer. I always wanted to make music myself. It was, it was something that I, I really did enjoy. But like I said, I just accepted things, right? But after I just proved to myself, after I just achieved the top marks, after I just took myself to the above average section academically, I thought, cool, let me do this in all other areas of my life. So music was one that I targeted. And I thought, right, I want to be a singer. What's going to stop me? What is going to stop me? I just have to apply the same principle. I just have to put in all the hours, all the work, all the effort. If I do that, then just like my academics, I can make this happen. So I did. So I did. I practiced like mad, like crazy. You wouldn't believe how much I practiced. I used to sing every single day for hours and i swear to you it was every day i actually had a chart where i created my own chart and i've still got that chart to, to this day um in one of my drawers i had a chart which i made sure i ticked every single day every single day i made sure i ticked it it meant that i'd done my rehearsal i had done my practice for that particular day that's how disciplined I was with it. That's how determined I was to get this skill. As you can imagine, at the start, I was horrible. I couldn't sing to save my life. I had no sense of music, right? You could drop a beat now and I would have just frozen. 
I've been like, um, I don't even know where to begin with this. <laughs> um, I literally had no sense of music. No sense. None. It was... Yeah, it was astonishing. It was astonishing. But I practised. I practised hard. I had a vocal coach um, for a little bit. It was only for like maybe two weeks. So it wasn't a long time. Maybe two weeks to a month. I don't remember. I think it was about two weeks to a month. I didn't have many sessions. Um, from what I remember, I only had about, yeah, like sort of four sessions. I think it was one a week. So it must have been like four weeks. Um, and... Yeah, it was, it was, having a vocal coach was all right. The main thing I got away from that, the main thing I took away from, from my vocal coach was just the tips that she would give me. Right? She used to give me tips. Right? She used to give me loads of things to, to use to practice. For example, um, when you're singing, if you put a cork in your mouth, you know the corks um, from, from wine bottles and things like that. Um, if you get a cork and put it in your mouth... Um, and then sing, it, it, it puts a huge stress on your jaw, a really, really big amount of stress. It really stresses the muscles there. And so you just power through it, you just sing anyway. And you do that for a bit. And then you take the cork out and then sing. And your jaw is just so relaxed. You've just relaxed all those muscles. And so, you can sing much more freely, right? The notes that come out are much more clear, right? It was a very, very good technique. And I remember I, I used to do that a lot. It was a technique. Whenever I practiced, I did that a lot. Um, another tip she gave me as well was you can get a teaspoon and you can put it on your tongue and push your tongue down and then sing as well. And um, a similar thing happens, you know, you stop your tongue from getting in the way. Um, it kind of teaches your tongue to not get in the way when you're singing. Because that can sometimes happen when you sing. Your tongue can get in the way of the notes that you're trying to produce vocally. Um, but other than that, I didn't really take much else. You know, It was just kind of little tips like that. Most of it just came from my practice. And it was really interesting to see the process. Because of course at the beginning, you know, I was rubbish, horrible. Um, but I knew, just like my academics, I knew that if I just stuck to it, I would start to see changes. Eventually I would. And that's what happened, you know, for the first, like, maybe three, four weeks, maybe even six weeks. For the first, like, yeah, so first sort of six weeks, I didn't see much progress. There wasn't much progress at all, really, if I'm honest with you. There wasn't much progress. But after the six weeks, that's when progress started to hit. That's when I started seeing progress. My voice actually began to change. I actually started to hit notes a bit better. My, my voice actually sounded a bit better, right? I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is actually, I'm going in a direction now. Something's happening. Right, and I can't, I, can't, um, I can't stress how good of a feeling that is when, when something actually happens. I mean, you get some kind of result and, and you know it's going in a direction, you know it's working. That's, that's really key to get to that point. But getting to that point is really difficult, but I'll talk more about that later. But I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it at all. I really couldn't. Um, so, yeah, I did that for years. And, of course, I mean, here we are today. And everyone compliments my singing. Everyone says my singing's amazing. And the one thing that annoys me the most is when people say, oh, you know, why oh, you're such a, you're so gifted, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I am not gifted. 
I am really not gifted. I am not a gifted singer. I appreciate your compliment. I do. But I, I have to try not to be offended by what you just said. But I actually put in hours and hours and hours of work. Hours, years of work to make it what it is. Right? So that was another area of my life that same principle I achieved. I got to that above average level. Right? I got to that kind of above average level. Um, and I mean, an- another area as well, which I'll um, brief touch upon, was my dating life too. Right? So this one was a was really important one for me as well. Um, you know, as you can imagine, my dating life was, was horrible um, when I was a young adult. It was horrible. You know, when I was 18, I... I knew nothing about women, right? Absolutely nothing. It's mainly because, I, you know, my parents, they got divorced at a young age. And so I never really had that fatherly figure to, to teach me, you know. I, I didn't really have any sort of masculine guidance, right? So <laughs> I, was, I was blind. I was very naive. Um, and, you know, it took a huge broken heart for me to really wake up and for me to realise this. And so I thought to myself, you know, this is another area that I'm going to improve. And again, a very similar thing happened. I got all the knowledge that I needed. I read all the books. I, I really did my homework. <laughs> I, um, I remember this was like when I just started uni. I lived with two, with two girls. I used to ask them everything out of curiosity. And they used to be very honest with me. They used to answer my questions very honestly. Um, and of course, there was just my observations of their behaviour as well. Um, and yeah, I really, really learned about women. But more to the point is after that, I learned about, you know, the kind of dance that the masculine and the feminine do, how it all works. Right? I pieced it all together. Right. I learned, I learned that, that skill of how it all works, right, the dance. Again, this is something that took years of effort because I quite literally transformed myself, right? I used to be quite an insecure person um, and I had to overcome these insecurities. But what was really fascinating is, like, and this fascinates me the most when it comes to my dating life, and this is why I'd always have a passion um, for helping people out of their dating life, particularly guys, because here's the thing, is when I was 18... You know, I used to, again, I used to crush hard on all these, you know, pretty girls at uni in, in my class and things like that. And, you know, I, I could not believe, it was a very similar thing, I had these limitations. I could not believe that these girls would ever be into me. I, it was just an accepted part of my reality. It's like, I'm this level of attractive, let's say I'm a six, seven, whatever, and they're like a nine or a ten. I know, just by, by, by law of biology, that's just not going to work out, right? The 9 or 10 is not going to go for the 6 or 7. It's not a movie. It's not a fairy tale. It's not the way it works. I've already had a broken heart. I already liked this girl who just didn't like me back and showed no interest because, you know, I was just some low number. I was a 6 and she was an 8 or whatever. That's how it works, right? So I was so sure 
that if we're going to use numbers in this, I was so sure that out of 10, I was like a six. I, I, was, I was pretty sure about that, right? I was pretty sure. And I just accepted it. I just accepted it. I wanted the results that, let's say, a 10 out of 10 guy or a 9 out of 10 guy was getting. But again, it was, it's exactly the same thing. It's that limitation that I felt. And I just accepted that I couldn't overcome it until I learned that you could overcome it. Right. And that's when people like dating coaches and stuff like that came into my life. Like, that's all the books I read were written by, you know, really successful dating coaches and things like that who showed me the truth and showed me that this is also an area that you, where you can overcome that limitation. And this is a really fascinating. Thing. So this, those same girls who I crushed hard on at university, who I just, you know, didn't ever believe would be into me. It was very, very fascinating because they actually were attracted to me. So this is where, this is why I'm so passionate about. This is how powerful social conditioning is. I was always quite a charismatic guy, right? I was always quite charismatic. I was always, you know, quite confident. I was always a confident, charismatic, outgoing person. I was always that guy. I'm naturally extroverted. I've always been like this, right? I've always been like this, but I never thought that that was an attractive quality. I thought that women only wanted men who had money or who were really good looking. And of course, I was very insecure, so I didn't think I was good looking. So that was already a big X. And, well, I was young, so I, didn't, I was a student, right? So I didn't have the money. So, I mean, I was buggered. I was buggered, but the minute... You know, these coaches started telling me, actually, Scott, you actually, funnily enough, you actually have all the traits that a woman is attracted to. You have the attractive qualities that she wants. The minute they told me this truth, and then I went out and, and I now believed that I was an attractive guy because they told me I was, because they told me what the truth was, and I was already that truth. Like, in the click of a finger, I, I, I honestly, I shit you not. In the click of a finger, everything changed. Everything changed. That's how powerful social condition is. Everything changed in the click of a finger. I just took on a new belief. I just took on it. That's all I did. I just took on a new belief. And the click of a finger, everything changed. All those girls I crushed hard on, it turns out they were actually head over heels for me. There was this, I remember there was one girl at my uni and I thought she was really, really pretty, right? She was like... Wow, like she was astonished. The first time I saw her, like my jaw pretty much dropped. That that same girl, right, as soon as I took on this new belief, I found out she was actually head over heels for me. There was one time we went out and her housemate, who I was like pretty good friends with, her housemate once grabbed me and she held me down by the shoulders and she pointed to that girl and she said, look, come here, he's here, he's here, look, he's here. And she just skidded right over, right? She just skidded right over to me. In front of my eyes, I just saw a really beautiful girl skid right over to me. <laughs> it literally was like I went from zero to 100 by doing one thing, which was just changing a belief. Right? I just saw the truth. <laughs> It turns out I was always that attractive guy. And all those girls I was crushing hard on at uni were actually into me the whole time. But because I never knew it, of course, nothing would have happened. Right? There's plenty of other examples very similar to that as well. Um, 
And so that's when it started. And of course, I improved myself and my confidence and my charisma. And, you know, I really worked on just becoming more of an attractive person. Right. And then, of course, the next part was learning the dance, you know, learning the the male to female dance. And that was something I had to learn as well. Right. How it all works. Right, the, the chemistry between the masculine and the feminine. There's a particular chemistry that can be learned. Right? And if, if this is an area of your life that you really want success in, then learning this dance, learning this, there you go. And that's exactly what I did. And since then, I've never had an issue attracting women into my life. I've never had an issue. You know, before that, I, I used to get heartbroken all the time, right? Like I said, there was a girl that I really liked. So there was a girl, actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be completely honest. There was a girl that I pretty much fell in love with who felt nothing for me, absolutely nothing. You know, I was friend-zoned to another level. Then after that, and that really hurt me, then after that, there was another girl who um, I really liked and a very similar thing happened. She just felt nothing for me. And then... And that hurt as well. Maybe not as much as the first time, but it still hurt. And then another one happened after that, right? Another girl um, who actually did find me quite attractive. Um, and we actually did, like, kind of date. But again, she just lost interest. And yeah. And it was after that, that particular relationship where I was like, no, nah, something needs to be done. I can't live the rest of my life like this. Um, and. That, that was how it was before, you know, I, I had huge problems with my dating life. Um, but then after that, after, after learning all of this stuff and really working hard on myself and, and challenging myself and overcoming particular fears and, and just all of it, yes, it's overcoming fears, but if I'm honest with you, it's just seeing the truth. That's, that's the better way I like to put it, right? It's just seeing the truth. It, like, you know, when I say facing your fears, it makes it sound like skydiving, you know, or like being afraid of heights. And they say, well, if you're afraid of heights, just go and face your fear, go up to that height and, and go and do the thing because you genuinely be scared to do that. Um, this is a little bit different. It's kind of like that in terms of emotions. Emotionally, you're feeling the same thing. You're still really scared, you know, but you're still really scared. But um, really what you're doing is seeing the truth. Right? You're seeing the truth. It's like the Matrix, right? It's like the Matrix. Me and my mates, we compare, well, I really like to compare the world with that movie, The Matrix, quite a lot. And how I would describe, how I would describe all of this is like the red pill. This is the red pill. This is seeing the truth. Everyone has taken the blue pill. Everyone is born into the blue pill, right? Society brings us up with the blue pill, which is why in The Matrix, if you remember, Morpheus offered Neo the blue pill. He said, you can take the blue pill and everything will go back to normal. You have no idea what just happened. You'll forget all of this and you'll go back to living your life how you think the world is. Or you can take the red pill and learn everything about the Matrix. And of course, he took the red pill. And what did the Matrix show him? It showed him the truth. It showed him what the world actually was. And it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing like he'd imagined, right? He saw the truth. And this is a similar thing. Whoops. Um, and this is a, 
this is a similar thing. In all these areas of my life, I've just, I've taken the red pill. I've seen the truth. The blue pill has blinded me, made me naive, made me just want to accept reality. And the red pill saved me and made me see the truth. Right? I never had issues with dating again after that. Right? Well, at least with attracting women. I never had issues. I haven't had a broken heart like that in years. Years. I mean years. When I see an attractive woman now, I don't hesitate to go and interact with her. I don't hesitate. Right? I don't hesitate at all. That's another area of my life that and one that I'm really, really passionate about as well, because that one really hurt me when I was young, right? That particular limitation really, really hurt me. Um, of all the limitations I faced, that one probably hurt me the most. And so I'm very, very passionate about helping people in that kind of area of their life. Very. But, so I've just given you my story. I've given you some different examples of where... I've used the same principles to go from a below average achiever to an above average achiever. In every one of those examples, in my academics, in my social life, in like my hobby, it's all been the same thing. It's all been the same principles, the same fundamentals. It's all been exactly the same. The hard work, the effort, the grind. But the first step was knowing that it was possible. And this is where I'm very empathetic to that second group of people who have no idea what's possible. They genuinely believe that they can't overcome the limitations. It's just not part of the reality. And so what these people do is they settle. They settle. They know there's, a, there's another life that they want, but they just settle. Now I'm going to talk about the other group of guys. Because right, these guys really, really... I'm very empathetic to that second group. But the first group of guys, right? The ones who know what's possible but aren't willing to put in the work or the effort. These guys frustrate me the most. They really frustrate They get under my skin. Right? They get under my skin and... and I have to calm down and I have to show a bit more empathy as to why they're like this. But these guys, they, can, they know the truth and they can achieve these things. They're just not willing to put in the work, right? They want things to happen straight away. They want it overnight. They want it now. They don't have the patience. They don't have the discipline, right? I just showed you three scenarios of hard work, grind, things that most people aren't willing to do. In every one of those scenarios, most people aren't willing to do what I did. In my academics, most people are not willing to put in all the effort that I did to get the grade, right? So I remember I told you that in my class, um, there was other people that my teacher let do the higher paper as well. And they too, just like me, they wanted to get the A and the A star because, you know, everyone wanted to get A's and A stars, right? So just like me, they wanted it too. 
They wanted it too. Did they achieve it? No. I was the only one who achieved it. The only one. Because I put in the hard work and the grind. Those other guys didn't. They didn't put in the hard work and the grind. So they didn't achieve the result. Simple as. Right? Simple as. I, you know, my, my, my skill of singing, the one that I learned, there's so many people out there who know that they can, they can learn new skills, but who aren't willing to put in the discipline to learn that new skill. You, know, you look at videos of talented people, whatever it is, you know, people who do parkour, people who sing, skateboard, swim, play football, whatever it is. Right? You see what these, people see all these talented people and they say, oh, I really want to learn that. They know they can. They know they can learn the skill. They know it's possible to become that good. Do they ever do it? No. They never do it. They never do it. They're too lazy. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them will try. But they never last. They try for a couple of days. They give up. Try for a couple of weeks. They give up. Like I said to you. When I was practicing singing. It took me six weeks to see like some change. To actually see change. To actually see some kind of improvement. It took six weeks. For most people. If they tried. They'd probably get up to about three weeks. Maybe four weeks. And just stop. They'd be like, oh, it's been three or four weeks. This, this shit don't work. Now I'm stopping. It doesn't work. Oh, whatever. I can't be honest. It's not working. It's been four weeks. I've actually done this every day. Can you believe it? I've done this every day and I've seen nothing. This has been a complete waste of time. Wow. And they just stop. They give up. They just give up. Right? And, um... Yeah, it, it frustrates me when I see that. Because those same people also settle. They settle for a different reason. They settle because they were too lazy and not disciplined enough to achieve what they wanted. And what they knew that they could achieve if they just put their backbone into it. They frustrate me the most. But yeah, those are two groups of people that you know, I've seen in my life. And uh, as, as you can see, the word settle just... <laughs> it doesn't settle well with me. Right? It doesn't settle well with me. Understand that whoever you are, you can achieve whatever it is that you want in this world. You can be whoever you want. If you're you know, a, a quote-unquote below-average achiever, you can be an above-average achiever. There is nothing stopping you except for yourself. All these limitations you've put onto yourself. Well, not necessarily put onto yourself, but you're keeping there yourself, right? Those limitations were probably most likely put onto you by society. But you're the person who's keeping those limitations there, right? And like I said to you, I'm very empathetic to those guys who genuinely don't know what's possible. So I'm here to tell you now, you can achieve it. You can be whoever it is you want to be. You can do it. You can do it. You can be that guy or that girl or that person. Whoever it is that you want to be, right? All those people you look up to and just wish you were them, right? All those people you look up to, there is a gap between you and those people. I'm here to tell you, you can fill in that gap. 
Doesn't matter who you are, you can fill in that gap one way or another. You can do it. You can do it. And this ain't no cheesy motivation podcast. I'm not going to make this cheesy. I'm, gonna make, I'm not going to make this cheesy at all. I'm not just going to say you can do it. Oh yeah, destiny and all this. No, 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 no. It's going to be hard. I'm telling you now. It's going to be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. It's going to be hard. I said, we're talking hours, every day, grind, hustle. We're talking hard work here. Real solid hard work for years, for years, right? Years. Incremental, very small bits of progress. Very slow progress. You have to accept that. You have to accept that. It's going to be incremental progress and you may not even see progress for a long time. It's going to feel like you're going in circles at times, but you're not. You just have to stick at it. But it is going to feel like that. It's going to feel like you're just going in a vicious circle. It's going to feel like you're going nowhere at times. But the truth is, you are going somewhere. You need to stick at it. Right? So, guys, anyone listening to this podcast, go out there, put in the hard work, put in the grind, put in the effort, put in the discipline. Discipline, such a key word. Discipline. Resilience. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have failures. Accept the failures. Take them on the chin. You need those failures there. They're going to help you grow. You're going to come back stronger. I watched a video that Pitbull made on TikTok um, the other day. And um, he was talking about, I never knew this, but he was talking about how he read in the newspaper that um, the Oprah, she, she got fired for not being good on television. That Walt Disney got fired for having no imagination or for not having a good imagination. He read that in the newspaper as well. I couldn't believe that. Walt Disney, imagination. Oprah, television, not being good on television. You, you couldn't believe that now, could you? It is, like, it's actually hard to try and picture Oprah not being good on television. It's hard to picture Walt Disney not having an imagination. When you see what they've achieved, failure is a good thing. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Right? It needs to happen. I needed all those girls to break my heart. To show me that I needed to improve. That I needed to work on myself. Okay? So please go out there. Do something. Right? Do what you love. Whatever your dreams are, those people you look up to, I promise you, you can achieve the same thing as them. Right? Not, I'm not talking about money here. Right? I'm talking about happiness. All these people you look up to, whoever it is, I'm, I'm sure you look up to them and you see their happiness and you want their happiness. You can achieve that happiness. I promise. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take effort. For those of you 
who come under that first category, who already know all of this stuff, but are just too lazy to go and do it. Stop being lazy. Be more disciplined. Be more disciplined. Every day, you need to be at it. Stop consuming. Consume less. Right? Consume less. People consume too much. People consume way too much. Consume less. Right? People spend too much time watching Netflix. Right? Too much time on YouTube watching all of these funny comedy videos and, you know, playing games and video games and, you know, all of this kind of stuff and consume less. Look, there's a time and place for all of those things. I'm not saying get that stuff out of your life completely because that's not human, right? We all need times to play our video games. We all need, you know, I, I, I love playing video games. We all need times to do that. We all need times to watch Netflix. You know, there's so many series that are really good, right? And entertaining and, you know, in fact, I recently watched Power, one of the best series I've ever watched, right? We all need those things, but there's a time and place, everything in moderation. What needs to be most of your life is that discipline, that work. You've got to work hard. You've got to work hard. Go out there. Make it happen, guys. Make it happen. 100% possible.